What do you do um, like your parents? I mean, we think about it. You know, what is it that you do? You have no doubt picked up some habits and picked up some, uh, some ways of doing things, some routines, if you want to call them that, from your parents. If you can't think of anything, ask somebody who knew your family and they will tell you. They will tell you what it, you know, what it is. As I was working on this sermon, I, uh, I called Ginny. She was over at Marcy and Andy's, and I called her, and I said, what do I do like my mom that's like my mom? Uh, that's the only parent, you know, that I had growing up. And so I said, well, you know, what do I, what do I do that was like my mom? And uh, Marcy was there also and, you know, heard it, and um, they immediately piped up a few things. The very first thing was that I eat slowly. My mom was always the last one done. It's not unusual that I will be the last one done uh, when, you know, we're somewhere and, uh, you know, eating slowly. And, you know, that, that's just one of them. Uh, also, my attention to detail. Detail is important to me, uh, you know, and, and they matter. Details matter, uh, you know, and, and not only in doing something, but in, in thinking about something. Also, I will pile things up until I'm ready to go through them. Just look at my office. I haven't been ready for over a year now. Um, it's been a while, you know, but, and then when I clean, I clean thoroughly, uh, you know, when I, when I vacuum and, you know, gentlemen, if you haven't been acquainted with that machine, you know, do it once in a while, you know, it's a good thing, but, um, you know, moving the furniture and vacuuming, you know, removing the cushions on the couch and vacuuming and things like that, uh, not, un, not unusual, you know, but when I clean, I like to clean thoroughly. And then um, I have a certain way to do things, pretty much everything. Uh, but I, you know, I, I, I just, I, you know, and, and I kind of like to do them my way. Now, all three of my children have also picked up some of these habits as well as uh, some other habits. Now, our girls may look like Ginny, but they uh, have a lot of me in them, in their personalities, much to their husband's challenge sometimes. Um, fortunately, fortunately, their mother, you know, has tempered that a bit. Uh, Jenny and the girls all said to me, you know, after, shortly after Peter got married, Dad, when he got married, he turned into you. I've apologized to Jenny, and I've apologized to Jess more than once uh, about that. But again, fortunately, uh, you know, it was tempered somewhat by his by his uh, mother. Um, you know, one of the things, I, I'm not afraid to try something new. Now, when I say try something new, you know, food-wise, I will sometimes. But, um, you know, I, I'm not afraid to, to try to fix something or repair something or take something apart. I, I like that. You know, if, I've never done it before. It doesn't matter. People ask me <laughs> If you ask me a question on how to do something, I've never done it before, I will still give you my thoughts. I will still give you an answer. You know, the, uh, I remember, uh, you know, my buddies and I, um, you know, growing up, changed the, we changed the transmission in my one buddy's car. We'd never done it before, but I thought, how hard could it be? And then uh, uh, Buddy and I rebuilt an automatic transmission one time. We thought, how hard could it be? Well, it's a lot harder than you think. <laughs> uh, you know, the, uh, you know, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to, you know, to try something, home repairs or building something. You know, I, I may have never done it before, but man, uh, 
Let's give it a shot, you know. Uh, Peter is the same way. You know, he's not afraid to try something he hasn't done before. Car repairs or fixing something around the house. Uh, you know, always give it a shot, see how it goes. Uh, so let me ask you, whose habits are you living? You know, who, who is it, you know, and further, you know, who refined your habits for you? Let's pray and I'll share with you how I what brought that to my mind. Father, thank you for your word to us. And again, we're going to open your word. We're going to look into it. And uh, wow, what a, what a great thing it is that we have that, that we have your word to us, your communication to us, the things you want us to know, the things you want us to understand about you, about life, about ourselves. And um, we don't get it all, but we, we do get some of it. And thank you for that. I pray that you, your spirit would continue to open your word to us continue to open our lives, and how do those mesh, mesh together? Uh, we want them to. We want, to be, we want our, our, our life to be more and more pleasing in your sight, in your eyes, uh, and we want to be able to also enjoy what you've given us in life. Uh, that's a great gift. So help us to see from your word and, and your truth, uh, you and ourselves, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 3, so if you want to turn there, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. 1 John chapter 3, that's where we're going to be. Um, my hope was to get through verse 10 as I was working on this. It became real apparent that wasn't going to happen, so we're going to work on getting through verse 6 on there. And as, as we're doing this, you know, just think about this. Now, most of our life is lived by habit. I mean, it really is, you know, and uh, sometimes that's good. Usually your day, you know, you start the same with the same things every morning. Whether you get up on when that alarm goes off or before that alarm goes off or you hit the snooze button five times, whichever it is that you do, you pretty much are doing that same thing every morning. You know, in fact, if you hit that snooze button, you know, four or five times, you've allowed for that when you set your alarm. Why? Because you know that's what you're going to do. The order of things, of going to the bathroom, taking a shower, eating or not eating, whatever it is you do in the morning, you pretty much have got those all in the same. We're living by habit or by routine. You know, Jenny will every once in a while do something and I'll say, you're messing with my routine. You know, you're messing with my routine. This is, you know, it's the way, this is, but that's how we all live. And it's the same as you go through your day. How you approach your job, you know, what you do when you get there or you don't do when you get there. I was coming in one morning and it was about, I don't know, 6.30, between 6.30 and, and 6.40. And there were some guys pulling into Dana for work. I assume they start at 7 o'clock. And I remember we had a guy when I was uh, doing millwright work, we had a guy in our shop who would get there a half hour early because he wanted to get there in time to have a cup of coffee and read his paper. I thought, well, I'd rather do that at home. But, you know, that was his routine. That was his thing. However it is you approach your job, I mean, you, you, do, you pretty much are doing the same thing, you know, that same approach every day. When you get home, same routine. Your shoes are probably left in the same place, whether it's by the door on your feet in the middle of the walkway. You know, your coat, whether it's hung up, flung, flung over the floor or, or still in your car. Who cooks? Who cleans up? I mean, those are pretty much, you know, those, those are all right there. Some of which, some of these things on all of those levels are things you learned and picked up from your parents. 
you know, from, from your home, and some of which have been tempered over the years. Now, sometimes these habits aren't good. So, you know, some people, some people smoke because it's a habit and an addiction, you know, but they don't do it because it's good for them. I've never met anybody who says, man, that's smoking really been bigger. You know, that's kind of odd because that's how the commercials used to be. Um, you know, if you look back at some of the old commercials, but you know, you don't hear that anymore. You know, you know that, that's. Uh, but it's a habit. Some have a habit of lying. Them and the truth is pretty far apart, and you know they. This seems to be natural for them. Some have a habit of watching TV, anything, everything. You know. Watch TV when I eat. What's on? I don't care. Or I watch TV, you know, whatever it is. You know, we get into that habit. Some have a habit of coming. Some have a habit of coming to a complete stop before they enter a roundabout. That is so wrong and so annoying, you know, but it's a habit. And, you know, so some habits, some habits aren't, you know, just aren't, aren't good. So, um, Let's um, look at our verses here. We're going to do this slowly again. We're going to take the first two, and then we're going to just do one at a time after that. First uh, John chapter three, verse one. Look at how great a love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children, and we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know Him. Dear friends, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We will know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. Now, the first thing I really want you to pick up on is that, you know, that if you have a relationship with Christ Jesus, then you are one of God's children. You are one of his children. You are part of his family. You know, you are in there. Now, it's not because we deserve it, because we don't deserve it. You know, we're not part of his family because, you know, of the family we were raised in, because of the family we were born into. That's not it at all. You know, it's, we're not part, you know, we're, we're not there because we've, we, we've done something to earn our way into his family. That's not it. You know, we're, we're part of his family because he made us part of his family by giving us his son, Jesus, as the payment for our sin. If you have a relationship with God, know that you were chosen by him. Why do I say that? Because that's what God says. Ephesians chapter 1. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Now notice. He chose us to be holy and blameless. Did you get that? It's not just the fact that he chose us. But he chose us to be holy and blameless. Don't forget that part. It goes on. It says, in love, he predestined us to be adopted through Jesus Christ for himself, according to his favor and will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he favored us with in the beloved. Now notice what it says there. He predestined. He, he decided that this is what's going to happen. And notice, to be adopted, to be adopted through Jesus Christ. Okay, now some of these words, you know, you know, you can let different theological positions rise up and irritate you. But if you do that, you're going to miss, you know, you just don't don't do that because you'll miss what it, instead take joy, take comfort in what it says here. The fact that you are God's child because he chose you to be in his family. He adopted you into his family. Some of you remember Jill Elliott. 
Jeff and Jill Elliott. Uh, I met them. They they called me up and they they weren't coming to church here or anything. They called the church one day and said, "Hey, oh, we want to get married. Can you do the wedding?" My my thoughts on that always have been, um, you know, probably not. But let's talk about it. I, you know, that isn't the answer I gave them. I said, "Well, why don't you come in? We can talk about it." Because it's given me the opportunity to share the gospel with a lot of people over the years, and Jeff and Jill were two of them. Uh, and they came in and. Through our talking and and things, uh, it, it was it became clear Jeff had a relationship with Christ. He knew what it meant to have a relationship with Christ. Jill didn't. This was a whole new thing for her. And well, through the course of our conversation stuff, anyway, Jill and you know, they started attending church and coming. Well, then Jill gave her life to Christ and you know, had a relationship with Him. Well, some of you will remember when Jill was baptized. When we baptized Jill, she shared about what this means to be adopted you know that he predestined us to be adopted through christ for himself jill was adopted as a little girl Uh, when she was when she was young she was adopted and she said she always felt special because of that she said because she as, as she explained it she said my parents didn't have any choice with my brother and sister because they were biological children had to take what they got but they chose me. They picked me for a purpose and on purpose and with intention. There's the picture here that he predestined us to be adopted through his son. You know, being his, being, he, he specifically chose us. Being his child, we're, we're part of his family in every way. You know, not any, not any second-rate add-on. I am still floored by what it says in Romans chapter 8. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. There it is again. We are God's children. When you have a relationship with Christ, you are his children. And if children also heirs, heirs, that what, and and, and the heir what? Gets what the Father has. But here's the picture then. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Co-heirs with Christ. You know, not just heirs, but co-heirs with Christ. Being any heir would be a spectacular thing. But, but, but being a co-heir with Christ, I'm stunned. In a good way, not like being tased, you know. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm stunned of the reality that we are co-heirs with Christ. Why? Well, that's what God says. That's what God says. And it also very, very clearly says that's what we are now. As we live and breathe today. Not something that's coming later, but something we have the reality of now. We, you know, later, that song we're singing, we'll see him face to face and there'll be a a new level. But the reality of it is is now, you know, what we will become, you know, in in a fuller way we'll see later. But right now we have this relationship with Christ. When we have this relationship with Christ, right at that moment, it says we are children of God. We are part of his family. We are heirs together with Christ. Well, as soon as we have that relationship with him. Now, to those who don't have a relationship with Christ, to them, you know, the verse there, First John, it tells us, you know, 
that, that what, what we believe, you know, and, and how we live our commitment to Christ seems strange to them. You know, it says, <coughs> you know, the, the, the reason the world doesn't know us is it, it, it didn't know him. The world really doesn't know us. You know, it can't relate to us in that way that, that connects to their understanding because they don't know God. And because they reject God, then they don't understand. <clears throat> if we hung out together, you know, we wouldn't understand why each other does a few different things, you know. Like, I'll, I'll never understand why you eat hot dogs. I'll never understand why you eat liver. You know, uh, you know but there's, there's those little things that we won't understand about each other. Why? Because... I, I, I never knew your parents. You know, and I, I don't know why you picked those things up. I, you know, really, I don't know why you are like you are if I didn't know your parents. But see, it's that same picture that the world, there's some things with the world that they're, they're not, they don't know. Why? Because they don't know our Father. They don't know God. And because they don't know God, you know, they're living from a different mindset. They're living from a different value system. When you remove God from the equation, values are, values are fleeting. Values are ever-changing. What's important is, you know, is different now than it was you know, three weeks ago sometimes. Values, when, you, when God is out of the equation and values become whatever feels good for me or whatever is acceptable in our society, and that's what the values come from. Now, when we have a relationship with Christ... You know, when we have that relationship with Jesus, we live from a different standard and for a different standard than what the world is used to. I live from my relationship with Christ and I live out for my relationship with Christ. And that's a different value system than the world is used to. That's a different value system than they have and they don't get it. In 1 Peter, he refers to us as aliens, strangers in this world, people who are living in a land that is not their home. You see, we always live, we are, we are, we, we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How is his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven? As it's lived out through his people. And I live according to the kingdom values. And I live doing what? Loving my enemies. Not warm, fuzzy feelings, but doing what I can for their good. I, I, you know, I, I live in a manner you know, that says don't return evil for evil. I live in a manner that says to overcome evil with good. I live in a manner that says to bless instead of curse. Why? Because, you see, I'm, I'm living by the standards and the values that God has. I am living, I am living according to the rules of a place that is not here, but that is my home, the kingdom of God. Let's move on. Verse 3, First John. Verse 3, it says, And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Now you purify, you know, you, you purify something by well, either removing or neutralizing whatever impurities are, are there, and then also by keeping out those impurities. Let me ask you: Would you drink water? I, I went over, I went, was, I went downtown on my way in this morning, and went downtown to drop some stuff off at the post office. And on my way back, I'm going over the, the bridge on the river, and I just kind of looked to see if it was frozen or not yet. And um, it was still flowing and is still murky. Would you drink water out of one of these rivers? 
you do. You do drink water out of these rivers. You know, you, you drink the water, you know, that is purified by filtering you know, out the garbage and the contaminants. Now, some of it's easy. You know, it goes through this, this great thing first, and it takes out all the big stuff. You know, it does. It takes out all the logs and the trash and, and things like that. And, 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 and that's a good start, but it's not good enough. You, you're not ready to drink that yet, you see. Because then it goes through uh, these rocks and stones. I remember when I used to run, and we'd run by, and you could run through the water filtration plant. That was in the olden days when, first of all, you could go through the filtration plant. Second of all, I could run. Um, but they would change that stuff every once in a while, and there would be these huge, huge bags of first stone of different sizes and rock, and it got down to sand. You see, and they keep running the water through these things, and each one does something just a little bit different and a little bit different. It takes out a little bit more of the impurities. But, you know, it gets through all of that stuff, and they can't quite get them all out. So what do they do? They add stuff then to neutralize what's left. So that it doesn't, so that it, so, so that what's there is neutralized, so what that, what can't be removed is neutralized and won't harm you. But they don't, they don't stop there. Then what they do is they pump it out to your house and they keep that line under pressure. And why do they keep that line under pressure? Well, you say, so the faucet works. No, they keep that line under pressure so that no contaminants from the outside can seep in. That's why when there's a power outage or your water goes down and they, there's the boil water thing, the boil water thing is because there's the, they lose the pressure in the line and some of the, some of the groundwater can seep in. Well, the groundwater has cooties. And, you know, so, the, you know, the, you don't, you don't want to drink cooties. And, you know, so, you see, but it's, it's so the, the purifying, you know, this is, this is what he's talking about when he says, you know, that, that you purify, you know, by application, for our lives, you, you, you remove and you keep out the impurities out of your living. You keep, you remove, you remove those impurities and keep those impurities out of your habits. Because you live by habit. You remove and you keep out whatever's not in keeping in a relationship with Christ. The big stuff is obvious. The big stuff, you know, it's a little, little, it's a little easier because it's obvious, you know, but, you know, for me, when I came into a relationship with Christ, um, very quickly, three, three things kind of presented themselves uh, and were, became very apparent to me that needed to be, that needed a, to come out of my life and you know and change and that was uh, you know my language uh, getting drunk and stealing and those needed to those were all a part of my life and I knew they had to go Colossians chapter 3 says but now you must also put away remove remove you know you must now put away all the following Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. I, I didn't really have a problem with anger I, or, or wrath. I, didn't have a, I really didn't have a problem with malice or slander. But you notice, it says you must put away what? All. 
Not just pick and choose. All of this stuff needs to come out of your life. Filthy language was very common in the factory where I worked. Filthy language was very easily flowing from my mouth. And it was very obvious this needed to be removed. It needed to be removed and kept out of my life. And because it was a habit of how I talked and how I spoke, it became work. Well, now, you know, filthy language just flows much more in society, you know, than, than, than it ever used to. And I need to be careful. I need to keep it out of my life. Ephesians chapter 5 says, So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is, which is pretty easy because, again, let me remind you, you know, probably about 98% of God's will is in His Word. Verse 18, And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, reckless actions, but be filled by the Spirit. Now, this isn't the only verse on not getting drunk, you know, so don't just say, well, I don't do it with wine. I didn't either. I didn't. Wine wasn't my thing. I didn't like wine, you know. Well, okay, I liked it, but there was other stuff I liked better. You see, but that's not the point. It's pretty clear being drunk is not what God's people should be doing. I needed to stop getting drunk, which for me meant I needed to stop drinking because my thought then and still is now, if a little is good, more is better. That doesn't work real well. When it comes to, you know, having, having alcohol. Now, you know, some of you can go on lying to yourself about drinking and saying, I can drink, but I don't get drunk. So let me give you a couple of things to think about here. Have you ever been drunk? You know, I mean, it says, you know, not, not to be drunk. So how many times is acceptable to be drunk? Would you apply that same number to adultery. And, you know, you say, well, I don't get drunk. I would say, well, you just get less drunk. Uh, that would, I mean, uh, the, you know, you say, I, I stop before I get drunk. You know, I, I would just say you stop drinking before you get less drunk. Your standard is falling down drunk. Here it says, uh, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless action. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. It needed to be removed from my life. This one, pretty clear. The one who steals must steal no longer. I didn't steal because I needed what I stole. Now, that still would not be an excuse. You know, because you need it is, is still not an excuse for stealing. You know, I, I stole things because I could. I stole things because I liked what I saw, and so I took it. I stole things because I could get away with it. Yeah, I stole things because sometimes some of the people I were with stole things. So, you know, they did. I did too. Now, understand, I am not proud of any of these things. And we look at people, I hesitated to even share these with you, because sometimes we look at people and we say, man, what a change. You know what I really long to see and hear is that we can have people, kids who came up through this church and are now adults 
and who can stand there and say, I was tempted. Everyone around me. I was going to say cussed like a sailor. Boy, this just kind of throws all you. The Navy guys under the bus, doesn't it? That they could say, that they could stand here and say, you know, everyone around me, they just, they just tore each other up with their words. You know, people and all my, you know, my friends, they'd go out on Fridays and they'd party and they'd get drunk. Or, you know, that, you know, I hung out with these people still. Well, I want to hear our, our people be able, you know, young adults be able to stand up and say, but by the grace of God, I didn't do those things. We hold up the wrong people sometimes. You know, it's great, you know, that God took those things from me. But I think it's greater still that there are those who never did it. Because of their commitment to Christ. And because they know what God wanted. The standard here in 1 John, notice what it says. That it's just as he is pure. Purify yourselves, how? Just as he is pure. You know, that all of these, all of these... All of these things needed to be removed from my life. They needed to be removed from my life and they need to be kept out of my life. Because notice what that verse says. Everyone who has this hope in him, everyone with a relationship with Christ, every single person with a relationship with Christ, not just some of them, You know, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself, works to rid his life of these impurities, works to get these habits out of his life, these impurities, and and get them and to keep them out of his life. It says, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he, just as Jesus, is pure. The purity of Jesus is your standard, not what other people do. But the purity of Jesus. Let's move on. Verse 4. Everyone who commits sin also breaks the law. Sin is breaking the law. Now, when he mentions law here, he's referring to God's law, God's standards, you know, God's desire, God's values, you know, God's, God's words, what you see there. And as God's people, as part of his family, as part of his kingdom, as one of his children, we follow God's standards. It's God's standards that are up there. Now, sometimes, sometimes the law of the land is in line with God's standards. For example, it's illegal to murder people. Guess what God's standard is? Do not kill. Do not murder. That's God's standard. God had it first. Uh, it's illegal to take things that don't belong to you. It's illegal to steal. God says, you know, not to steal. That's God's standard, not to steal. But sometimes the laws in our land are at odds with God's standards. We cherish the freedom of speech. And there's been a whole big thing going on about this. And we cherish the freedom of speech that we can say whatever we feel because that's what our Constitution says. God's word says, let no filthy language come out of your mouth. Let no filthy language come out of him. Led Zeppelin was one of the groups I really enjoyed growing up. You know, and um, to me, it was good music. You know, and and it, I still enjoy the music. 
the lyrics of most of their songs are filthy. You don't have to use swear words to have filthy language. You know, you don't have to talk obscenely to have filthy language. Don't make your standard that I, you know, that I don't cuss somebody out. No, make your standard the purity of Christ. That there's no filthy language that comes out of your mouth. This is God's standard here. Now, the law of the land allows you to be drunk in different places, you know, and, you know, public intoxication is apparently still illegal and driving while intoxicated is illegal. But, you know, other than that, you know, they, they have a God standard for his people is not to be drunk anywhere, even if you're by yourself. The law of the land allows the murder of babies before they exit their mother's birth canal. Um. God says he knit us together in our mother's womb. And that life is precious. And that life is to be protected. Now we have to remember too that um, with any of these, including, you know, the taking of a baby's life through abortion, there are people who love God who have done all of these things. And God forgives. Christ went to the cross to die so we could be forgiven. We rank these as one's worse than the other. I'd say one might be more obvious than the other. One might irritate us more than another. But they're all sin in God's eyes. And in God's eyes, we should, as God's people, we should be trying to follow God's standards. We don't break his law. The purity of Jesus is our example. Move on, verse 5. It says, you know that he was revealed so that he might take away sins, and there is no sin in him. Jesus came to this earth through an act of God. You know, we're not that far removed from Christmas when, you know, and we look at those scriptures then, but we need to remember them really all, all year long. When Mary, you know, when Mary was told she'd have a son, she asked, how could it be? You know, how can this be? Because I haven't been intimate with a man. You see, she had a standard and it was God's standard and she wasn't going to be intimate with a man outside of this marriage relationship. And so, you know, this, that was her standard. And the answer, now the answer tells us about Jesus' sinless birth. In Luke chapter 1. As Mary was asking, he says, the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be called, to be born will be called the Son of God. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And Joseph didn't, you know, Joseph had some questions too. He wondered how Mary could have been unfaithful to him. How in the world could she be unfaithful to me? Because he knew how babies came and, you know, and that just didn't happen with him. So how in the world could this have happened? Now, God cleared up, you know, Joseph's confusion, gave him information, you know, as, as uh, you know, he, that he needed to stay with Mary. In Matthew chapter 1, it says, but after he had considered these things, getting, you know, breaking off his relationship with Mary, you know, putting her aside, and he wanted to do it privately, you know, he wanted to still as best he could honor her Uh, but after he considered this an angel of the lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream saying joseph son of david don't be afraid there you know you see that phrase don't be afraid do the study on that sometimes 
so many times when God's people are, are shook. One of the first things that God communicates to them is don't be afraid. Well, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and will give birth to a son and will they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God is with us. Jesus, God himself, God with us came to earth. He came to earth to take away our sins by giving his life on the cross. Peter tells us. You know, for Christ also suffered for sins once for all, uh, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God, you, the unrighteous, to God, the righteous, that he might bring you to God after being put to death in the fleshly realm, but made alive in the spiritual realm. He came, he came to earth to take our sins and suffer for our sins on that cross, and so that we might be able to have life, so that we might be able to be forgiven. In Hebrews, uh, you know, he... In Hebrews, uh, it tells us, you know, the writer of Hebrews talks about, you know, his coming to earth, lived among us, but yet without sin. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. Tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. Jesus was that sinless sacrifice to take away our sin. He came to this earth, you know, it was conceived through a work of the Holy Spirit. He lived here for over 30 years, faced temptations, did not give in to sin. He had no sin in himself. He took our sin upon him on the cross and he gave and paid that price through his death on the cross for our sin. He took away our sin and there is no sin in him. He is not only our perfect example, but he is also the perfect one, you know, to guide us in what it means to have a relationship with God. He is the perfect one to refine those habits within us into holy actions. Let's move on. We're getting out of time. Verse 6. It says, everyone who remains in him does not sin, but everyone who sins has not seen him or known him. And, you know, the, the, we get a little freaked out by this, but this is, you know, this is that refining process, uh, you know, of being a child of God. This is part of that refining process of being in his family. Now, look in your, in your Bibles there. Look at the development here from verse 1. Look at, at verse 1. It says, because of the Father's love, you know, he called us to be his children. He called us to be members of his family. In verse 2, you know, we're not yet, you know, we are, what we are is not yet totally what we will be like him. Why? Because the refining is in process. We begin to see him as he is. We begin to see him as God. Verse 3, we see these impurities in our life then, the habits that are sinful, the habits that are destructive, we remove them, we keep these impurities out. Why? So that we can be more like him, more like Jesus, so that we can begin to pick up his habits. Verse 4, we realize sinning is going against God's word, it's going against God's character, it's going against God's being. Verse 5, Jesus came to remove and reveal the sin, that refining process. And verse 6, you know, we are refined from the habits of sin to the habits of God. We are refined from the habits of sin to the habits of God. Why? Because we are part of his family. 
Now, verse 6 indicates this is a continuing action. It is a habit, a routine, if you prefer to call it a routine. It is a habit, you know, that everyone who remains in him does not sin, does not have the habit, does not have the routine of sinning. That is not, it's not that they don't ever sin, it's that they do, that, that is not their routine, that is not their habit, that is not their, their everyday way of doing things. And everyone who does sin, everyone who has that habit, everyone who has that routine, everyone who has that, that is habitually, repeatedly sinning the same thing over and over and over again with no regard for what's going on, they have not seen him or have not known him. That's what that verse is talking about. You know, as we live in a relationship with Christ, we pick up his habits. As we live as part of his family, we pick up the habits of our father. You know, the other choice is to continuing in habits that are guided by sin, not by our relationship with God. We live by the habits we've picked up along the way. Know whose habits you are living. Let God refine, let God temper the habits so that you'll be more like Jesus. More like our Heavenly Father. Let's pray and then we're going to sing a song about how the Father's, how deep the Father's love for us. Father, that, 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 that phrase has a little bit more impact for me today. That you are my Father. I am to be more and more picking up your habits. I am to be more and more like you, Jesus. Who lived your life and gave your life so that I could be forgiven. Oh, Father, don't ever let me excuse sin in my life. Don't let any of us think that it doesn't matter. That it's not that important. Drive us, guide us, refine us to be more and more like you, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.